0: Jesus was sent to the cross for everybody, and everybody means everybody. You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast for Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California. I'm going to begin this morning with a true story, but it's a, it's a personal story, so I'm going to change the names a little bit. This story begins a long time ago when I was in high school, and I graduated high school in 1978, so it's a long time ago. And in high school, I had a great friend named Clark. Clark and I hung out a lot together. He was a year younger than me in high school, but for the three years that we were in high school together, we did a lot of things together. Now, he and I weren't always perfectly well-behaved. We made some bad decisions. We did some dumb stuff. But for the most part, we were We were okay, a little messed up, but all okay. And as we got to know each other, we hung out together, and his parents got to know me, and my parents got to know him, and and they kind of trusted us. And even sometimes, uh, Clark's little brother hung out with us and did some stuff too. When we graduated from high school, we went our separate ways. I went off to college, and my friend Clark joined the military and became a really good military musician toured the world that way with them. But we went our own separate ways. And then one day in the 1980s, after I had graduated from college and Clark and I had lost touch with each other, I was visiting my mom at her house, and my mom said, Did you hear? Clark's brother killed a man. He's in jail. And I went, Wow, sometimes when I would hang out with Clark's brother, I would be with him. And in fact, once I was alone in a car with him, and I read the story in the newspaper. And sure enough, Clark's brother had offered to buy a car from somebody that he was offering for sale in the newspaper. And while they were out test driving the car, for some reason, Clark's brother shot the guy and dumped his body in an empty field and drove away. Fortunately, a few days later, he went to confession at a Catholic church. Now, I don't know why he wasn't Catholic. I don't even think at that point he was a believer at that point in his life. But the priest talked him into turning himself in. And that was a good thing. Again, I had lost touch with my friend Clark through all these years, but for a while, I would hear rumors here and there that Clark's brother was not a model inmate when he was in prison. He was angry, he was agitated. Now, those were rumors I didn't know for sure, but many years went by. And at some point in, uh, in the 2000s, my friend Clark found me on the internet. He looked me up and he sent me an email and he said, "Hey." I'm going to be in Southern California. Do you want to get together for for dinner and catch up?" And I said, absolutely, time to catch up with my old buddy. But at the same time, that conversation was a little bit awkward because eventually we got to talking about his brother. Long story short, in those decades in prison, Clark's brother had turned things around a little bit. He had gotten married even to a woman after he got out of prison. You see, some people, some Christians from a local church visited him. They did prison ministry and they visited him and they built a relationship with him and they they shared the word of God with him and he turned his life around. And when he got out of prison, he became a pastor. And he still is. He's a pastor on the street in Phoenix. And of course, he's a different person. Now, he's not a Lutheran pastor, but I've watched his YouTube videos, and he's a good teacher, and he's a legit believer. He knows his Bible, and he knows that he's a redeemed child of God. When he first got out of prison, shortly after I met with my friend Clark, um, he had a, a little website that kind of documented his journey. And he documented how those Christians had gotten involved in his life and reached out to him and and shared the Word of God with him when, when they didn't have to. They showed mercy on him, and he recognized that. And he talked about how the Word of God had changed his life, but he also talked very carefully and very candidly about the family of the man that he had killed. He understood that that family probably wouldn't have an easy time forgiving him, and they would probably be uncomfortable with the fact that he was no longer excluded from society in prison. That website isn't available anymore. I think it's long since been taken down. But whenever I read that passage from Timothy, where Paul talks about all the things that he had done and the persecution that he had done, I think also about my friend's brother because he knew and Paul knew what they said, what was said in our scripture reading this morning, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save even the foremost of sinners. They knew that in a very real sense. So brothers and sisters, grace, peace, and mercy to you from God who came into the world to save even you. Now I suspect that you and I can't always identify with my friend's brother or with with St. Paul. I don't know everybody's situation here, but I'm willing to bet that none of us here have been accused and committed murder and served time in prison for it. And I'm very positive that none of us have been actively persecuting Christians like Paul did. So sometimes we really just can't completely identify with them that way. Still, our sins, even if they aren't that bad, well, they weigh heavy on our hearts, don't they? And we confess our sins like we did just a little bit ago, and the Word of God reminds us that as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, God has shown mercy on every single one of us. So if you're here today and you haven't heard that truth, if, you, if you're not a Christ follower and you haven't heard that beautiful truth, I want to say it again. Jesus Christ came into the world to offer God's mercy to everybody, no matter how great or how small they think their sins are. Jesus Christ came into the world to offer God's mercy to everybody. So, when Paul indicated that he was the foremost of sinners, he he wasn't bragging about winning some some kind of sin contest, and he certainly wasn't laying down a challenge that says, hey, try to sin more than that. No, when we compare our sins in that way to the sins of others, we muddy the waters, and it isn't helpful. It misses the point. The point is that in Christ, God's mercy is available to everybody, and everybody means everybody. And our Old Testament lesson today, I think, paints that picture or that simple truth into a big picture. And here's what I, here's what I envisioned as I read through that passage from Ezekiel. I envision a, a big mural, and it's, it's a big landscape, a vast landscape, and, th- and there are sheep scattered all over the place in this landscape. Let me read just the beginning of that and see if I can kind of set the image for you. This is what the Lord says. He says, I will search for my sheep myself. As a shepherd looks after his flock when he is with his scattered sheep, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them on a cloudy and gloomy day from every place where they have been scattered. And then that passage goes on to describe the different places on the landscape where the sheep are. Some are scattered, well, in open fields, as I envision it. They look okay, but they're not protected. There seems to be food available, but it isn't the best food, and there's a gloomy cloud hanging over them, whether they know it or not, because again, they aren't protected by anyone or anything. Predators can come along and get them. They aren't able to rest, not really. But then there are other sheep that have been scattered about and some of them are clearly injured. Maybe they've fallen into a crack or a crevice and they're injured and hurt. They, they can't eat, they can't rest, and they know they're in trouble. It's quite obvious. But there's a shepherd in that picture too. Of course, that shepherd is God. And the sheep are God's people. And they find themselves in all different kinds of situations scattered all over the landscape, but they're still all God's people. And the shepherd's desire in that passage is to gather them all, to bring them all back into the good pasture, to bandage their wounds, to to bring them to a place where they can graze safely on good food and truly rest. Now, when Ezekiel spoke these words, it was a long time before Jesus lived. And at that time, the ancient people of Israel had indeed been scattered by the Babylonians. And so they were not in their home. They were all over the place and in one real sense god was promising those israelite scattered people that he would eventually restore and regather them and he kept that promise if you read through the books of ezra and nehemiah you see that god indeed was able to bring back miraculously so bring back the israelites he brought them back to jerusalem where they rebuilt the city and rebuilt the temple So God kept the promise that he had in there, but in a very real sense, that passage, in a much more powerful way, I think, points to Jesus. It promises that there will be another shepherd in the line of David who will rescue and care for all of God's sheep in an even greater way. And of course, Jesus Christ was and is that promised shepherd, and he came into the world to rescue and care for sinners, including St. Paul including my friend's brother, and including you and me. Jesus Christ came into the world to gather all of his sheep, the ones that look okay, the ones that are clearly in danger, the ones that know that they are the foremost of sinners, and the ones who don't really quite know that. And as we think about what that beautiful truth truly means in our lives, there are some cautions, some ways that if we think about it incorrectly, we misinterpret it, and again, we muddy the waters, And that happens especially when we start comparing our sins to the sins of other people, when we start focusing too much on that foremost of sinners phrase. Let me explain how this works. Maybe you're like this today where you are here and you're evaluating your decisions and your actions and you you begin to think that maybe you have become an even more foremost of sinner than St. Paul ever was. You view the magnitude of your sin in relationship to others. And you wonder if Christ is really willing or able to have mercy on you. You wonder if Christ is willing or able to rescue you. And You wonder if Christ can forgive you. And if that's where you are right now, brothers and sisters, take comfort. Remember everybody means everybody. Turn again to the cross of Jesus Christ and leave your sins there and know that he took them to the grave for you. There is no sin, there is no collection of sins, that cannot be forgiven at the foot of the cross of Christ. Remember the words at the beginning of Romans chapter 8? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. But on the other side of the coin, when we begin to compare our sins to others, we, can, can, we get confused if we start to think that maybe, well, we're not the foremost of sinners. Maybe they are. We're all okay. We're a little messed up, but we're all okay. It's those people. They're the foremost of sinners. Or, or maybe they're even worse, but not me. And when we go down that road, it can be pretty easy to convince ourselves that the magnitude of their sins is so great that Jesus Christ is unwilling or unable to have mercy on them. He is unwilling or unable to rescue them. He is unwilling or unable to forgive them. And when we start to talk that way, we start to talk and act as if they should be even excluded from Christ's mercy. And it seems to me, as I was thinking about this day, that the events that happened, I'm, I'm not a sociologist, But it seems to me that the events that happened 22 years ago today, 21 years ago today, started to begin to compound our society into a society of conflict. And of course, the last few years of of COVID have even magnified that. And there seems to be entities in our society that that feed on conflict and stirring conflict in, in us. And with that conflict stirring in us, and with our thoughts that maybe our sins aren't as great as the other sins, we begin to start to think that some people might need to be excluded from Christ's mercy. Maybe we begin to think that, well, the guy who cuts us off on the freeway needs to be excluded from Christ's mercy. Maybe we think that the homeless man who shouts obscenities at us and our families as we drive by, maybe that person should be excluded from Christ's mercy, and it gets worse. Maybe we think that people who support those political leaders and those political leaders should be excluded from Christ's mercy. Or or maybe we think that people that support those political leaders and those political leaders themselves, they should be excluded. Maybe the people that watch CNN should be excluded. Maybe the people that watch Fox should be excluded. You see how it goes and how it continues. When we compare our sins to others that way, we muddy the waters, and it's pretty easy to go down that road. So who might we want to exclude from Christ's mercy? The Pharisees and the tax collectors... I'm sorry, the Pharisees and the the teachers of the law had an answer to that. They were convinced that God's Christ was sent to the world to save them, to have mercy on them, but not those tax collectors and sinners. Of course, that's clearly not true. Jesus constantly spoke against that kind of thinking. He told the Pharisees that day that he came to seek and save the lost, all of them, the tax collectors and the sinners. And if you follow the whole story, you realize that Jesus came to seek and save even those Pharisees who were muddying the waters. And Jesus was saying that he was ready to sacrifice everything to do that. And of course, when he went to the cross, that's exactly what he did. He sacrificed everything. And that kind of brings us full circle back to Paul's original point. Jesus was sent to the cross for everybody and everybody means everybody so if god's word has brought you to faith if you've been baptized into jesus and anchored in the word of god and anchored in god's mercy if you gleefully receive god's body and blood for the forgiveness of sins at the communion rail then you know what paul knew what my friend's brother knows that God has saved and gathered and shown mercy to you, foremost of sinners, formerly lost sheep. And you know, as Paul knew, and as my friend's brother still knows, that God has shown patience in doing all of that. And you know that he desires to save and gather everybody else. So you can say with Paul that the patience he demonstrated when he saved and gathered you can serve as an example. So as you live your life, you can exemplify and radiate that very nature of God, so that everyone who would believe in him will live forever. And to that we say with Paul, all praise and glory belongs to God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message, can be found on our YouTube channel and at www.bethanylutheran.org. Links for both of these are in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562-210-0463. That's GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 562 562- We pray that you have a wonderful and blessed week.